here and welcome to the make data simple series and thank you for listening if this is your first time listening you'll also find more details in our show notes so so have a look and you can reach me on twitter at a martin underscore v so i'm just going to jump in and get started today i'm with tracy bollett hi tracy how are you Hey, I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing. I'm always good. So, so Tracy leads a digital client care and the global elite program in analytics. But uh, Tracy, I'll give you a few minutes. You can kind of describe your role, your interests, and uh, what you do day to day. Yep, sure. So um, I currently work in the analytics group, which is um, has the products that include data hybrid management products, as well as um, advanced analytics and unified governance. And the reason why that's important is because we've had an opportunity to take advantage of those capabilities to do some neat things around support. So a couple years ago, I um, started focusing on digital client care, which is using the data that we have in a digital way to help improve our customer support experience for our products. And um, in addition to that, then we started focusing also on doing some special things for our largest customers, which is where we kicked off the Global Elite program. So what I focus on is um, trying to change how we uh how our customers perceive support from IBM so that it's a streamlined, um, good experience that's taking advantage of our analytics products to, um, to get information they need in, in the way that they need it quickly, efficiently. Nicely done. <laughs> so Tracy, here's what I wanted to do today. I just want to have a conversation. Unlike other podcasts, uh, I get the most value, I think, out of water cooler talks. So that's what we'll do here today. And I think the topic is, is, as you just stated, is what I would term cognitive client care only because I think digital, I may change next week. You know, I may change at, at the end of this podcast, actually. But uh, I think digital tends to be a little overused. And I think what we're going to talk about and what you're kind of doing is client cognitive uh, care, at least as, as, as I would term it. Uh, but for those, of list, those listening, Tracy is a partner in crime. She and I have, have worked to transform uh, IBM support. I even don't like the, the name support anymore. It's more about client success uh, because I think everybody holds responsibility. And I can't tell you how much I value uh, a client experience. Let me, let me start with a quick story and then I'll you know, see what your story is a little bit, uh, Tracy. And that is in a past life, you know, so I, I, I graduated electrical engineering. And then I went in straight into software development for a healthcare company. And at some point in time, I get a call from a friend of mine that had graduated electrical engineering. And he's, he says, hey, you need to come to this company. And, and uh, look, it's a great company. He went on and on about it. And I said, that sounds interesting. You know, what position? He said, support. And I said, not interested. And he said, well, hold on. And we started talking. He said, you should at least come and interview. And so I said, all right, fine. Good career path opportunity. I'll go interview. And when I went there, 
it's like my eyes were, were opened uh, to a lot of different things. And most importantly is how marketable the folks in the room were. And I wasn't because at the time I was a developer stuck in a cube someplace. These guys knew everything about the protocol, the database, the application. And I thought, well, I, I you know, this, this is a good marketable position. So I did start my career after uh, a short tenure in in development, I, I started it in, in support, and I'm very thankful for it because I joined a company called Informix Software, and they got it because at the time I used to call it customer-driven development. You know, I was fixing code, I was adding serviceability features, and now the industry is like renamed that and called it DevOps, which I find interesting. So what I used to call customer-driven development, I think, is DevOps today, and I think it's a lot of what we've been doing in terms of orienting the whole organization into tribes and squads because I think everybody holds responsibility for the client experience. I mean, that's, that's kind of my story and my history around client experience that I think has benefited me in terms of leading development in a business with a client centric view. How did you get here? <laughs> that's an interesting story. So, um, so how I got here is um, I have a degree in physics. And after I got my bachelor's degree in physics, I really didn't want to go further on towards education. I just wanted to get a job, start making money. And so I was lucky enough to um, find a job opportunity in Austin working um, as a contractor for IBM and AIX support. So I, I came to the job my first day. And I have to be honest, I didn't know Unix. I didn't know AIX. I was a little lost, and um, but I like working with customers. I liked, liked working with people. So the first month was really getting questions from customers and walking around and talking to people, searching in our own internal database. So this was kind of before Google came about and had its big, big foray, and it was we had our own internal. Uh, databases where we could go find information. So I'd look in the internal database. I kind of walk around and ask questions from people who were the experts. And I learned the product on the fly. And, um, and in going through that, I remember thinking many times, wow, if only customers had access to the same information I do, they wouldn't need to contact me. Why would they need to talk to me as I'm learning it if only they had access to the same information? And so that's really why I'm so interested now. I've, 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 I left support, went into development, went into test. I did some offering management. I did a lot of management roles. But that's why I've always been very passionate about client experience is that I think there's a lot that we can do and there's a lot we've implemented to take that manual process of going and searching for information and asking around and we've been able to streamline it and um, do some neat things to improve that client experience so much better than you would have had many years ago when I first started. You know, I just noticed I think we're dating ourselves. We are. I think, I think we should move on. <laughs> I so think we should swap really that awesome. one. It's interesting, but I think we should scrap that piece because I think we are dating ourselves. We're too, physics. too similar. I have, a, I have a couple of girls that are still in school that may need to give you a call on the physics side, you know. Love physics. If they're, if they're math people, they'll do fine in physics. <laughs> One of them is. Anyway, moving on. So getting back to cognitive client care or support or client success, whatever. Client experience client experience. What are the challenges? What are, you, what are the prevalent challenges that are facing client success today? Let's start there. I, I think the first thing is um, we still do, we, we still have, um, we need help. So client experience is all about, do you have information that you need 
when you need it? And is it easy to get to? And I think we still, in many cases, do what we've always done in years past. So everyone starts with a Google search. So if, if you think about, so Al, let me ask you a question. Forget about work for a second. Um, give me an example of where you've needed to get help to do something. Um, tell, you know, trying to fix the problem with your telephone, trying to fix the problem with your car. Your, give me an example of where recently in the past month you've not known what to do to fix something and you've gone for help someplace. How did, how did you do that? Well, I do my own taxes. Uh, so um, I run into a problem, a question on tax law or something. And uh, to your point, I do exactly as you said. I go to Google, even though I'm using a product called TurboTax that I know has a has a knowledge base that I can go to. I, I skip that. I go straight to to Google, and sometimes it, it heads that knowledge base, but uh, it's a Google search. And so that's a great example. So what you did there is you stopped what you were doing with your taxes. You had a shift focus to another browser window where you had to think about what question you're going to ask. You have to type in that question and you have to hope that you phrased it in a way where Google can get the answer for you that you're looking for. In a better example, while you're in TurboTax, we would know what you're doing in TurboTax and be able to present information to you to help figure to know that you're going to run into this problem. Here's some information, and it would be easy to use and upfront and ready to give you that information right when you're in the middle of the experience. That's the experience that I think we're looking for. Now, TurboTax has taken it a certain certain level, but like you said, you're not choosing that. You're choosing to go back to kind of an old-fashioned, let's stop, let's stop what we're doing, use another tool, try to guess, and then come back. And that all takes time and energy. When you think about machine learning and how you can do things in the future, you shouldn't have to shift gears like that, and it can save valuable time. I think I think you're right. I think the reason I use Google in that context is because I think I get a greater aperture of information and also how others have solved that problem that I can kind of look at and leverage you know, versus, you know, I don't know, just a one single repository, I guess, in my, in my mind that TurboTax maintains and, and their answer, if you will. I want to see how other people have solved it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what you're describing is a very easy thing to do. So part of the repository that gets presented to you can't be just that application's repository. It has to be all of the data that's out there in a structured and unstructured way, whether it's something to do with TurboTax or normal taxes that other people have found resolutions to outside of the program. So if you have all of that data at your disposal, easily presented to you, knowing what you're trying to do, and the, and the system understands, okay, this is the problem he's going to run into. Let me present him with all this information, use cases, and, and it personalizes it because it knows your preferences. Do you prefer videos? Do you prefer to search for content? Do you prefer for the user manual? And if it knows your preferences, it can display display the information you want at the time you need without you having to think about it. It's just right there. So, you know, when I, when I look at the challenge, there's so many challenges around client success today. I mean, I, I often feel like it's maybe the hardest job on the planet because you got to think about personalization, relationships, reducing time to resolution, your cost. We're, we're, we're facing probably product complexity, maybe the highest it's ever been against simplicity expectations, perhaps the highest that they've ever been. Uh, you got to have top talent. You got to have expertise. Uh, now we got different different form factors. What I mean by that is private, public cloud, hybrid cloud. 
uh, data governance. Now you got GDPR, um, you know, multiple sources of, you know, across different portals that you got to, or data that you got to take care of, um, engagement, m- multiple in- engagement methods, whether it's chat, virtual reality, uh, or, or, I mean, it's, it's everything today. I mean, do you see it the same way? I, I, I do, but I, I don't see it as a challenge. I see it as a great opportunity because um, when you think about placing people in higher value positions, um, I think back to that, that time when I worked in support many years ago, the first few weeks on the job, what value did I have? Well, I was kind of learning on the job, trying to help customers while I got to the level that they were. The, the, the things that you're talking about, the complexity, it gives me an opportunity to grow my skills so that I become deeper and broader in my learning so that I can become that expert on unified governance or on data hybrid management. And I can understand more about what the client's environment is because I know more about it and I can give some value that's above and beyond what a simple search would do. So I think it it gives, while it's a challenging, it gives a great opportunity for um, people who really are interested in helping clients and have that passion about learning new technologies. So I think what you just told me is you, you see it as turning a dilemma into an opportunity. You got it. So, so fair enough. So what do you think, or what, what is your view of the future of client success look like? So I think it starts with leveraging machine learning. Um, there was a great quote the, a few weeks ago from uh, Jenny where she called AI assisted intelligence. And I think that's what it is with, um, with support. So when you have a question, um, machine learning gives you options that you may not have considered for what might be the resolution to your problem. So I think it starts with that. It starts with using the tools we have to help assist you in finding the resolution to your problem. It streamlines it. It puts it in app. It's all right there present in the experience that you're having. So you don't have to stop and shift to something else. And then it, it has an, it allows you to have an easy access to those experts that um, you only get through a person who has a deep understanding of the technology that you're trying to use and of your own environment. So I think it's those threefold. You have to start with the tools and the technology to get those easier problems resolved. And then you have to train the folks who are on the, um, the, the line to help you help customers figure out what the answer is and resolution is to those really deep, complex issues that you really need a human being to, to help you with. So training, tooling, all of that needs to go hand in hand. So when you talk about machine learning, that's why I kind of, I agree with you. That's why I call it cognitive care. Again, I started out with digital care, but I think it's gotten overused. And I think it's really about machine learning and what we can do there. I mean, I think that's the next, next uh, phase, if you will. And so I talk, I turn about cognitive care, but I really think the magic will be in personalized relationships. I think turning that dilemma into opportunity, it's almost like, the challenge we have is, is we want a client to almost be better off having had the problem. I mean, cause they've got an opportunity or we've got an opportunity to demonstrate a fantastic experience. You can't get anywhere else. So you're able to build rapport in a relationship with a client on behalf of a problem that, you know, maybe they're trying to get resolved or, you know, or otherwise. Um, but I think again, the, the interesting thing here is that we've got the opportunity with the technology at hand to offer, preemptive support through ML, augmented intelligence, as you mentioned. Um, And I think that's where we're headed. 
I, I, I agree. Although I, I would say that um, I, I like the idea of client experience because like you said, it's, it's not just about solving problems, but it's about getting information you need whenever you need it. So sometimes that's not a problem. Sometimes you need more information on um, different, uh, different APIs you intend on using and you want to know use cases around them. Um, so, so part of it is it's, it's broader than just problem determination, um, but you can use AI to, to help you out with some of that. So for example, um, we've used machine learning to help us do prediction on where customers are not intending on renewing their um, the support contract. Um, so in, in kind of that traditional support main mindset, that wouldn't be kind of part of that client experience. It's, well, you purchase the contract and then we start that client experience. In this case, we want to have a great client experience. And if someone's thinking about not renewing their contract, we want to understand why. And we want to predict that things are happening that they may not be happy with, and maybe that's why. And so then we can put actions in place to fix it. So I think you can use machine learning for predicting outcomes on things outside of your traditional support experience. And that's something that kind of extends to that overall client experience. So let's let's take a, a quick step back. You and I have, have worked on a concept that we call a cognitive care platform. And that cognitive care platform has six elements. Everything from, you know, clients for life to uh, machine learning and cognitive. Can we talk, you want to talk about those six and kind of detail a few of those? Because I think that those are the six items that make up you know, that cognitive care platform that we see as our future endeavor. That makes sure. sense. Want to talk sure. a few it, of it, it does. So, um, so let me ask you a question though. Let's start out with, um, so there are six elements instead of rattling off the six, let me ask you which one you think resonates the most for you. Which one do you think is the most important piece of that platform? Well, I, I probably start with, um, I think they're all very important by the way, or there wouldn't be six or we wouldn't have six. Having said that, I, I think, you know, clients are the most important. So clients for life or keeping clients for life would be my most important uh, principle in that whole realm of things. In other words, you, you, we need to drive clients for life in each one of those six items to make sure that we're successful in the, in the long term. That, that, that's policies, life cycles of your products, um, to how you address clients so that they say, you know, look, you got that personalized experience. You've got something to differentiate that nobody else has. There's no way I'm going to leave, leave you, um, to a competitor because, uh, I get more value in working with whatever business you're driving. I, I, I like that. that. Be my simple answer. I like that one too. I, I think that's important also to show that we are committed to working with our clients for as long as they want. So there's nothing worse than to be really happy with the way something is working and then find out, okay, someone has kind of bailed out of that relationship. So I think the whole clients for life um, gives our commitment to our clients that we do intend to keep that relationship as long as they want that relationship to continue. I think that's really important. Um, I, I think the other important one is, um, so yes, they're all important, but I think the other foundation to the cognitive care platform is a customized experience. So giving the customer what they want when they want it. Um, some customers are more conscious of pricing and they'd rather be involved with things that will be um, uh, allow us to do kind of a broader view um, with feedback from many. So 
our communities, another one of our um, cognitive care platform, six tenements is the communities. So some customers might just want the communities. They want a good community that they can go and ask questions to. They don't worry about how much time it takes to turn around. It has forums. It has um, use cases. It has references. It has documentation. All that at no charge. Some customers want that. And with our cognitive care platform, we've improved our community ecosystem so that we're continuously making more and more content available. And, And we've allowed... Are, we've taken a look at how we tier those deliverables and, and, and placed a specific focus on things that would be kind of that no charge level. Then we have another level that is, I want to get to my expert immediately. And um, one click, one call, get to the person who can resolve your problem. Direct to expert is another part of the cognitive care platform that's extremely important. And then that cognitive insight that we talked about, which is built into both our community ecosystem and our direct-to-expert. And what that allows you to do is it, it uses machine learning to help uh, find the problem that you're looking for. So through our communities, we have machine learning built in through there. The way that you get to the expert you need, we have machine learning in there. And then how that expert can help you resolve your problem, again, machine learning is built into there. So we have machine learning kind of underneath all of these um, uh, these six portions of the cognitive care platform, which I think is what makes it unique from where we would have been, you know, years ago. Um, so those are some clients for life, the customized experience, direct to expert community ecosystem, cognitive insight, and then one more, which is integration expertise. So whether you're using multiple products that are IBM's products or whether you're using a mix of IBM products and other companies' products, um, we have experts who understand how those products integrate together. And again, that's something that's a unique experience that um, deep but broad set of skills that we have on our team that um, that help ensure that that integration that you have in these complex environments can be understood and we can help the customer with the best client experience possible. So those are kind of the six six areas. Um, it's, it's interesting that you said clients for life is, is the most important. I think kind of underlying, underlining all of these, it's that personalized, customized experience, giving our clients what they need when they need it. Look, I think all of them are, you know, you know, you have it right. If all six, you can't decide which is the most important, quite frankly, because it, I, 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 I debate myself right now in terms of, you know, I think direct to expert now because it starts with talent and, and it's backed with the, the talent you have in your organization. You don't have products, you don't have clients unless you have top talent. So you could say talent backing this whole ecosystem is number one. Then you could you could you could make a case as you have that well wait a second this needs to be a, a, a relationship so it is that customized experience. Then you could take that further and said yeah but the, the relationship is really today built in that whole ecosystem with social and uh, you know you know everything from sentiment analysis to to, to Twitter to uh, forums and then you know you've already talked about cognitive. So I tend to think that we we have the right six because if I was to name them again, number one would be clients for life, uh, number two, uh, uh, customized experience, three, community ecosystem, four, direct expert, five, uh, cognitive insight. The one that could be maybe outside looking in, still important, but you know maybe not within the top five would be the integration experience. What do you think? 
Um, I, I think so. I think also if I look at which one's the most difficult to do well, that integration expertise would be the one. Um, I think that as you, as you build on what you learn from feedback from our customers, so as you know, we're all focused very heavily on our NPS um, responses to understand how we can continuously improve. Um, we, can, we can make headway into the other five a little bit easier than we can with that integration expertise. That's a harder nut to crack, I think. So I would agree. That's kind of an outlier, plus it's, it's one that tends to be more difficult to do, frankly. I agree. So we got five most important and one, one challenge, a little outlier, but uh, integration expertise, uh, you know, something we need to focus on as well. Hey, so I want to, I want to talk about two, two things. Um, one is data, the data that backs this whole ecosystem, if you will. And then I want to come back to machine learning real quick. So, you know, for some of those folks listening, I think it, this might be interesting to start with this question. And that is what sort of, data is typically collected by an organization and how do you see it as bettering the overall client experience? So, so that's something that we've had a hard time with in the past. I think a lot of companies have. We have data all over the place. We have data on what are um, what products we have out there in the market today. We have data on what documentation goes behind the products. We have data on what problems customers are experiencing. We have data on how many people are building those products. We have data on what our NPS and client SAT scores are. We have tons of data. The challenge is trying to get the data in a situation where we can pull insight into it. And also then to make it easy enough to use that people actually look at it and use it on a regular basis. So, um, so what we've done is um, uh, we, we're in the process of pulling all that data together and, um, and then displaying it in a dashboard that gets reviewed weekly. And I think that the combination of the two, having access to all that data, finding insights from it, and then making sure it gets looked at at least on a weekly basis, starts to create a, um, a, a pattern of usage. That's really important because what I found is that even if you can collect all this data, unless people are looking at it and using it, it's, it's kind of hard. I, people won't, it, it'll end up being just a tool, one more tool that people ignore. So I think what we've done um, in, in the last few months is pretty important, which is have a weekly meeting with all of the uh, leadership team from first line managers to team leads to uh, directors and VPs to go through what insight that data is showing us and to talk about actions that we're taking on the insight. So to restate then there's proprietary data, there's non-proprietary data, there's structured data, there's unstructured, there's data clients have themselves. There's data that, uh, you know, about the data that a client will have with their provider in terms of, you know, some of the support interactions, by example. And then there's like data to solve issues like knowledge base forums where, where does the, the privacy come in in the data governance? Mm. I mean, so that's that, a big challenge right now, right? 
That, that's a big one. So, so there's privacy in terms of, um, so when you want to look at data, you, you ideally want to see all of the data, which does include sensitive private information. It could, may include information that customers have sent us that's private. Um, it may include information about our employees that's private. We have a worldwide team. So every country has different regulations on what we can show others and what we can't. So um, governance around the data is extremely important and um, and is extremely critical. Uh, so, you know, luckily, um, being in the analytics, um, data and analytics team, we have access to tools that allow us to, um, to do, to protect the data well in a, um, and, and make sure that from a governance perspective, we're doing all the right things to ensure that the people who have access to the data only have access to the data they truly are allowed to see. So, um, with GDPR coming up next year, because we have a worldwide team, we're re-looking at all of the data that we're sharing. We're making sure that we follow those regulations for GDPR. In the past, we've done some work around HIPAA and making sure that our clients, are, um, our healthcare clients, are only giving us the data that we need to debug the problem, and that anything that may potentially contain private information gets protected the way HIPAA requires. So we're constantly looking at, at various regulations to ensure the data that we have and we're making available to others is only the stuff that they're allowed to see. So, um, so good. So, so then you take all that data in those disparate sources, and then you this transitions to the machine learning because you. You train models to make uh, predictions on said data. Is that the exactly. idea? Exactly, exactly. So, um, so all, we have a, a large data warehouse where we pull all the critical data in. Um, when we do, we preserve um, authentication to ensure that the the, the um, only the data that can be seen is exposed, and then we use machine learning to um, to predict things like. SNS support renewals, um, to predict client dissatisfaction, um, to predict uh, product usage. So we have predictions that we're doing to try to understand what our clients will experience before we actually get to the point where they have a bad experience. So we do sentiment analysis. We look at the sentiment analysis across a group of products to see if there's any trends there. Um, And we're doing this all with um, predictive modeling. It, will that be, you talked about in-app, will that be built into the product itself you see in the future? Yes, yes. So so some of the things that I'm talking about are internal to IBM. We want to understand what our clients are experiencing. Other things are things that we would expose within the app uh, to our clients. For example, performance history and, and can you predict when a performance issue will occur? Um, can you predict... Uh, what the next problem is that a customer may run into based on the products that they're using and how they're using it. Doing those predictions and then having that available to clients in app is is exactly where we intend on going over the next 12 months. So kind of it's kind of in the same way that insurance companies are trying to predict churn through their client behavior. A question, by the way, that I get a ton when I'm visiting clients. So to uh, support organizations are going to have to predict product issues via both client and product behavior. It sounds yep. like exactly. the other thing is I don't think that was mentioned that really uh, is advantageous 
I think as a future state is what cognitive can do with uh, natural language processing. Um, by example, if you had a, a chat with a customer that has a question, they could be chatting in Mandarin. It could come across to an English speaker where you have critical mass that can answer the question that goes back in, in Mandarin, uh, which would be pretty cool uh, if we get to that at some point. And we've got that technology today and we're working on it, right? It, well, exactly. Plus, we've also noticed something. I saw a, um, a study that we had done just recently with understanding how machine learning and predictions will work with other languages. And it turns out that you don't have to have an exact translation in order to get a valuable um, AI machine learning um, response. So there's some, um, there's some things that we can do there that may help us with our answers to questions in that we don't always have to be exact in the translations, but yet machine learning can still give a very valuable assisted response. So um, some neat things coming there from a natural language processing perspective. You know, I actually think, and I actually think in terms of this, I also think that in the future, given all the likes and, you know, things with forum, et cetera, you know, I think gamification and potential incentives for those that are providing client care are going to come into play. You see that same way? Um, I, I, I do, I do, but let me um, let me turn it back to you and ask you for an example of that. Well, I think that uh, I think there's you know people are prideful on the you know what in Slack Overflow in other forums and our forums they're prideful in the answers, the accuracy, the quality uh, of the answers that they're providing, and I think that lends itself to the gamification as you know, the community rates or evaluates the answers said person is providing. I think that, uh, you know, people get competitive in, in that regard and it'll end up producing better quality answers that will also be leveraged in the same machine learning and cognitive bots that you're referring to. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah, I was kind of curious if you had a recent experience with that that you wanted to talk about in terms of where you've seen that. Um, so I, so I can tell you just in terms of every day when I go and look at new products or new services or the other day I was looking for a new dentist. And um, the first thing you look at is you look to see what other people are saying and you take those reviews to heart, right? All it takes is a couple people to say great things or poor things to sway your judgment on what you're going to do next. And I think when you look at um, machine learning and cognitive and how we help clients find out answers for whatever question they have, um, that weight of other people giving their own experience um, is far greater than just finding some anonymous tip in a database somewhere. So I think the the quality of responses is also quite built on um, how many other people who are kind of you see as like you give that answer as a as a good answer. So I think it's um, it also provides some some meat behind the recommendations that you find as you're going through um, trying to find an answer. Yeah, I totally agree. By the way, I think I might have said Slack overflow. I meant Stack Overflow if I did. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> hey, let, let's look, you and I could probably talk forever, <laughs> but we can't. Uh, we've got other things we've got to get done. So uh, I want to ask you a few questions, which I call the lightning round. More, more personal questions just about you, if you're okay with that. They'll, they'll be simple, I promise you. All right, the, the first question is, hey, what's the one thing that you want to learn right now? 
that's kind of at the tip of your tongue that you say, boy, yeah, this is kind of on my list of to-dos to learn either now, next year, or sometime soon? So right now I'm trying to figure out how to give the best in-app experiences possible. So um, I have some discussions set up with our design team. Um, I think you're probably well aware of uh, IBM's focus on design over the past couple of years. I have an expert in design where I'm hoping to learn from them how to best streamline the experience of in-app. So that's the thing I'm hyper-focused on over the next couple of weeks. Fantastic. What's the most important habit you think leaders need? Or let, let's, let's ask it a different way. What, what's the best advice in terms of uh, a habit or something a leader has ever provided to you? Mm, uh, listen to your team. Listen to the people who are working with you. They work with you, not for you. Listen to what they have to say because everyone comes from a different experience. Everyone has a unique value to add as you're working through issues and questions and plans. Um, spend the time to know, meet, understand your team because it's an important piece of the overall, of, the, of how your product is going to do in the market. What's the best leadership book that you've read that you can think offhand anyway? Got a good one? I don't, off the top of my head. That's all right. You call me there. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. This, these are these are these are blind questions, so I understand. So people that are listening know that these aren't set up by any means. Good. I think we're done. Uh, I'll give you the last word if you'd like to say anything. But uh, I appreciate. I think I, I appreciate everything you've given. I think this has been a great conversation. No, this has been a great conversation. And I think for those listening, it'd be great to hear other thoughts on how other companies are looking at this cognitive care idea and what types of things that they look for in the future. Um, Be interested in hearing ideas on that. So until next time, uh, thank you for listening. And uh, wheels up. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcasts to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, over and out.